Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Why does the Word of God tell us that we need to get rid of all bitterness? Hey, can we get the house lights up, please? Uh, there's some reasons for that, because bitterness is just poison. <laughs> it's just poison in our souls. It's just like an acid in our, in our hearts. It's, it's like uh, a, a cancer. It just starts small, but then it grows, and it just brings... The truth of the matter is, it can be deadly. Bitterness can be deadly. It can be deadly to our families. It can be deadly to our friendships. It can be deadly in a church. And like that video just showed us in a real poignant kind of way, it puts those walls up around us. It encloses us and just we're locked inside of our lives with this bitterness. And it's something that we just have to deal with. We have to talk about it. We have to deal with it. And some verses of Scripture, James chapter 3, verse 14 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast or be false to the truth. And then here's a really important one, Hebrews 12, 15, that says, Watch out that no root of bitterness takes root among you, and causes, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Don't let, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. Because when it springs up, it's going to cause problems, it's going to cause deep trouble, and it's going to hurt many people in their spiritual lives. And so there's not a person here in this room that has not, at some point, been bitter towards someone or something or has had someone that is bitter toward them because of something that has happened or something, uh, something that was said or something like that. That is just, it's just a part of our lives, unfortunately. And being in this fallen world, we have to deal with it. And as we go into the story of Joseph from the pit to the palace, we started this last week, Joseph of the uh, Old Testament, we're going to see that this deep root of bitterness in his life and in his family is going to spring up in the lives of him and his brothers, as we talk about today, some serious sibling rivalry. Now, you mamas probably have seen sibling rivalry between your kids and your families, and you know that it's something that you have to deal with from time to time, but we're talking about some serious sibling rivalry between Joseph and his brothers today. So grab your Bibles. I hope you got your Bible with you. And turn to Genesis chapter 37. If you don't have it, if you got it on your phone, you can get it on your phone. If not, maybe you can look on with somebody. Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 12. And we're going to, it's a little bit longer passage of Scripture. We're actually going to read through to the end of the chapter. So uh, once you get it, Let's go ahead and stand and read Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 12. I hear some of you still turning, so I'll give you a few more seconds to get there. First chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 12. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel, that's another name for Jacob, their father, said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, so Jacob said to Joseph, Go now and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. 
So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came there to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields and asked him, What are you seeking? Well, Joseph said, I'm seeking my brothers. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, They've gone away. I heard him say, Let us go to Dothan. Y'all didn't know Alabama was in the uh, Bible, did you? So, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him. All right, here's his brothers. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we'll see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Men, let's, not, let's don't take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to the Father. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. Remember, that's the one his father gave to him. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. And so then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, Man, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he's our flesh, our, uh, our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes, that's a sign of grief, and he said to his brothers, Man, the boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robe in the blood, they sent the robe of many colors, brought it to their father, and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And Jacob identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments, put sackcloth on his loins, and mourned for his son many days. All of his sons and daughters rose up to try to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol. That's the, the place of the dead. I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And meanwhile the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. So help us, Father, for these few moments as we gather around your word. That we'll hear from your Holy Spirit and we will respond in obedience. So help us now in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. All right, so the definition of sibling rivalry is it describes the inevitable competition and animosity that occurs between siblings. And so that's definitely what we're seeing develop here between Joseph and his brothers. So let me give you some background. Some of you know this story. We, we, we started it last week, did a little bit of it, but let me kind of give you some background from the first part of chapter 37 to show you what prompted this serious sibling rivalry that we're going to talk about today. First of all, Jacob was their father. Jacob had 12 sons. You've heard people talk about the 12 tribes of Israel. Where, well, this is where those 12 tribes came from. These 12 sons were the origins of those 12 tribes. And out of those 12 sons, Joseph was number 11. There was only one younger than him. Joseph was way down here, number 11, and he was Jacob's favorite. He was his daddy's favorite. 
because that was because he was born late in his father's life, and so he's kind of made him special because of that. But here's and we we talked last week about the dysfunction in our families. That every family in here has some form of dysfunction in it, either right now or in generations past. We've all got stories of dysfunction in our family, and we cannot let that dysfunction define us. But this dysfunction of favoritism, and that is a dysfunction, didn't start just here with Joseph. you got to back up to the next generation, the generation before, because Jacob was his mama's favorite. Anybody else here a mama's boy? I'm going to see my mama today. I am my mama's favorite, aren't I, Vicky? I am. I got two brothers, and I know I'm, I know I'm her favorite. Um, she tells them my two brothers they are too, but she ain't telling the truth. And, uh, but, I mean, Jacob was his mama's favorite, and his brother Esau was his daddy's favorite. So you got that jump right there in their family, the generation before, and so they just bring it right. So Jacob just brings it right on to the next and makes Joseph his favorite. Out of 12 kids, 12 sons, he makes Joseph his favorite. That's a problem. And so as a result of that, this dysfunctional junk starts developing in their lives and that favoritism planted these seeds of bitterness. Bitterness in his brother's lives is going to start springing up here as we go through this story. You're going to see this bitterness start rearing its ugly head. But there's some other reasons for the bitterness that was welling up in his brother's lives. Back up in chapter 37, go to verse 5. So Joseph was a dreamer. He had dreams, and God would actually speak to him in those dreams and tell him stuff, and then he would interpret those dreams here and in other places. We'll get to that later on. But right here, look at verse 5 there. Here's another reason why his brothers weren't too keen on Joseph. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. (laughs) He said to them, Hey, hear this dream that that I have dreamed. (coughs) Behold, we were binding sheaves out in the field, uh, you know, putting the grain together, binding it all together. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said, I would love to hear what what the response is that kind of stuff would be from some of the brothers in Flora, Mississippi to their brother. Bro, bro man, are you crazy? You, you telling me, you telling me that one day, you telling me that means that one day we all going to come and bow down to you? Yeah, right. I'm, but that's basically what they said here. They said, man, are you indeed going to reign over us? Are you indeed going to rule over? And then it says, so they hated him even more for his dreams. And then Joseph had another dream, another dream, verse 9. Then he, dreamed, then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. And he said, Behold, I've dreamed another dream. Joseph, keep your mouth shut, boy. I mean, quit telling this stuff. I, I had another dream. I had another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And then his, his, he even told it to his father and his brothers. And his father even rebuked him and said to him, Man, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And verse 11, And his brothers were jealous of him. And his father kept trying, kept, kept this dream in his mind, kept thinking about it. So you see, man, I mean, 
You, that's what's going on here. So those dreams combined with his father's blatant favoritism, the multicolored coat of many colors, all that kind of stuff. You're my favorite kid. You're having these dreams. You're telling your brothers that one day they're going to come bow down to you. All of that, man, just was this perfect storm and was just provided this great fertilizer to these seeds of bitterness that were planted in his brother's hearts. And then I'm just telling you, those seeds of bitterness are going to burst forth in horrible attitudes, thoughts, words, actions. You're going to see some terrible stuff that happens because, listen to me, bitterness always does that. Bitterness will always do that if it is not dealt with in the life of the Christ follower. It will always come out. It will always burst forth. It will always, always. That's why the application for this message today is this. That getting rid of bitterness ought to be a priority for every Christ follower. In this room today, there's folks in this room that are bitter. For whatever reason, not gonna, not gonna, you don't have to tell me all those reasons, but if you, you need to pay, pay close attention to this. Because getting rid of that bitterness it should be a priority for you if you're a Christ follower. So let's talk about this. Let's walk through this passage of Scripture together. First of all, let's look at the, the brothers' conspiracy, verses 18 through 20. The brothers' conspiracy. You ever been blindsided by somebody? You ever been blindsided? Any of you football players ever been blindsided by somebody? A blindside block, a blindside tackle? I mean, just somebody comes out of nowhere and just knocks you out of your cleats and you just, it's that blind side. You never saw the guy coming. You never saw it. You never saw him. And all of a sudden, your feet are in the air and your head, the back of your head's hit the ground. And, or a lot of times, you know, I've been a firefighter for a while and other firefighters in here, you know, we'll roll up on a, on, on a car wreck. And the person in the car said, I never saw him. I never saw him. They blindsided him. They came out of nowhere and T-boned me. I never saw him. And that's what happens when we get blindsided. And the same thing happens in our lives. You've been blindsided in your life? Man, I sure have. I mean, just out of nowhere, just something, boom! I mean, just out of nowhere, this thing hits you. And somebody just, just lays you out. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally and relationally. Just, they just come out of nowhere. You had no idea where, that this was boiling, that this was simmering. And then all of a sudden, it just comes out of nowhere, and they blindside you with something. And that's what happens that's what happens. That's what happened to Joseph. That's what happened to Joseph. Jacob, look, Joseph was just being a good son. Jacob told him, hey, go, find, go, go, find, go check on your brothers. They're out there keeping the flock. They're out there with the sheep, out there in the pasture. Go check on them, make sure. that uh, that's, It was just a simple request. Just go check on your brothers. All right, Daddy, I got it. Went out there and went to check on his brothers. And, and, and he was just doing what his father, just being an obedient son. He was his father's favorite, so... Being the obedient favorite son, wearing his little multicolored, multicolored robe, and took off to go check on his brothers. Little did he know what his brothers were conspiring to do to him. That they were already they 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 saw they saw him coming. It says that they saw him from afar. They saw is that Joseph out there? Hey, Issachar, is that is that Joseph? I think it is. Gads, you got better eyes than us. Is that Joseph? It is. All right. All right, here's what we're going to do. Y'all, this pit over here. 
That's what we're going to do. When he gets here, we're going to jump him. We're, we're going to kill him. Y'all good with that? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm, t- I'm sick and tired of this mess. I'm sick and tired of this dream junk. I'm sick and tired of that stupid coat that daddy gave him. I'm sick and tired of daddy saying he's the favorite. I'm sick and tired of this stuff. I'm, I don't want to hear it again, so let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. That's what bitterness does. That's what happens. So they just conspired to catch him completely off guard, blindside him, and kill him. And you see how we're starting down a road here? And these seeds of bitterness will provide an on-ramp onto this road that's going to take us in a bad, bad direction. But after you see their, their conspiracy, you see Reuben's compassion. Thank the Lord for Reuben. Reuben's compassion there, verse 21 through 24, Reuben said, hey, look, we can't do this. We can't do this. Just don't take his life. Don't do it. We, we, we can't do this. Reuben was the oldest. So Reuben's way up here. He's number one. Joseph's way down here. He's number 11. So Reuben was obviously much older than Joseph. So maybe him being older, maybe him being the, the, the oldest son, maybe he had a little bit more wisdom. Maybe he had a, a little bit more compassion. Maybe the sibling rivalry with Joseph wasn't quite as intense because there was such a big a uh, gap of years between them or something, whatever it was, but, but, but Reuben intervened and, and out of his heart of compassion and said, we can't do this, guys. We can't kill him. Now let's just throw him in the pit, and if he dies in the pit, that ain't on us, but let's just, we cannot just rip him. We can't kill him like that. His blood can't be on our hands. But here's an interesting point. The scriptures don't specifically tell us who came up with this idea to kill him. But what you do see in verses 18 and 19, you see, these, you see this word. They saw him from afar. They conspired to kill him. They said to one another, I don't, know who's, who, I don't know who came up with the idea first. Reuben tried to stop it. Actually, Reuben may have had some ulterior motives because there's a story in Reuben's life from years gone by where he had sex with one of his father's concubines. So he was not a good, good guy himself. So he may have been trying to cover up, hey man, if I can, because it, it says there that he wanted to throw him in the pit. Then Reuben said, then I'm going to go back and get him and take it to my father. Wouldn't that be wonderful for me to bring Joseph home and say, oh, look, I brought Joseph back to you. Maybe Daddy will forget that stupid thing I did years ago. Well, we do that kind of stuff too, don't we? But do you see this mob mentality developing? They saw him. They conspired to kill him. They said to one another, all of a sudden, it's like this group thing, and that's what bitterness does. Bitterness doesn't stay with you. You're going to talk to somebody about your bitterness. You're going to talk to somebody. You're going to run your mouth with somebody about how bitter, how mad you are at this person for what they did, even, and you're going to talk about it, and it's not going to stay with you, and guess what? They're not going to keep their mouth. Now, look, you can't tell anybody. You know they're not going to keep their mouth shut because you didn't keep your mouth shut. So they're not, so it's just going to grow and grow and grow and grow, and then all of a sudden, they decide we're going to do something. You see what bitterness does? You see what bitterness does? 
It spreads. Man, it will spread among your family members. It will wreck your family. It will wreck friendships. It will wreck a church. When bitterness gets loose in the life of a church, it will spread all over the place. After the 830 service, I had somebody come out and tell me, he said, yeah, man, when I was in a previous church one time, he said, I saw that church split wide open because of, because of some bitterness that developed in that church. Wasn't this church, but they said it was in a previous church. It'll spread. Next point we see is we see that he was sold to the caravan. See what happened there? And just look how callous these brothers are. Now, that's what bitterness does to you. Man, it just shuts you down. Those walls go up. The video, those walls go up. You don't give a rat's behind about anybody. I don't think you're supposed to say rat's behind in a sermon, but I said it. You just don't care. You just don't care. I mean, you just don't. The walls go up, man. You just don't care. You grow so callous. You see what it says there? I never saw this until this week. So they threw him in the pit. What's the next thing they did? They sat down to eat. They don't care. They pull out their bologna sandwiches and their viney sausages and, and their sardines and their, and their whatever, and they, their fry, and they just sit down and have lunch. Now, this passage in Genesis 37 does not tell us anything about their interaction with Joseph. Other, they, it doesn't say anything about what Joseph said to them when they were ripping the coat off of him, when they were chunking him down into the pit. But if you go over to chapter 42, verse 21, it says later on, and we'll get to this later as we stay in this series, it says later on, 42, 21 says, we, the brothers said, the brothers will eventually say, we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. I mean, you know that's what was going on. Joseph's the youngest, so probably the rest of them, the majority of the rest of his brothers were bigger than him, stronger than him. They're out in the field, they're working, they're, they're men's men, and he's at home with his dad, and he comes out there and they ripped the coat off of him. And they, surely somebody threw a punch somewhere. Somebody had to, just couldn't resist it and just took a cheap shot and kicked him on his way into the pit. And you know Joseph didn't just take all this. No, guys, please stop. What are y'all doing? Stop, man. Come on, what are you doing? What is it? Don't do this, man. Oh, that hurts, man. Stop. They threw him into the pit and let's eat. And he's down in the bottom of the pit. Y'all, please get me out of here. I'm sorry, please. I'm sorry. Don't do this, man. Please help. God. Come on, guys. Stop. Please get me out of this. Hey, that comes a caravan. Tell you what. How about we make some money off of him? The height of callousness. They didn't kill him, but let's make some money off of him. I'm telling you, man, it is just crazy. It is crazy what, how bitterness just keeps us going further and further and further down this dark path. Let's sell our own brother off into slavery. That way we ain't never going to have to see him again. And we actually got some play money in our pockets now. Some fun money. Bitterness. And then finally we see the deceitful cover-up. Here's the finishing touches of this sordid tale. This, the finishing touch. It concludes, this plan of theirs concludes back at home. Back at home. 
when they gave their father, Jacob, just now, come on, stay with me on this. I'm almost through with this. Think about this now. Their aged father, they bring this coat back to him. And in the callousness and the sinfulness of their bitter hearts, they give this coat to him. Hey, oh, oh, we found this coat. Can you identify this coat? And they knew. They knew what Jacob was They knew what they were doing. And just walk in there and just bald-faced lied to him. And you see the result, the reaction of Jacob, the, the reaction that you obviously are going to have. That's, that is Joseph's coat. I sent him a... I sent him out there to find you guys and y'all found this. Oh, no, please, no, no. And man, just Jacob just falls apart. He's inconsolable. The people are, his other sons are good. Daddy, let us, no, no, no. This, I cannot believe this. I can't believe. Some of y'all have been in a place of grief like that. You get some news that, you, that blindsided you out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're on your face. You are writhing on the floor and nobody can comfort you. These guys, they intentionally did that. They intentionally did that to their father. They intentionally did that to their father. That's what bitterness will do to you. That's, and that's what bitterness drives us to. That's what it drives us to. We don't care who gets hurt. We don't care what, the what damage is done. We don't care what the long-term consequences are. We don't, we don't care. We're just blinded by our bitterness. We're mad at God. We're mad at our circumstances. And the main thing we want to make sure is that the person who caused the bitterness is the one that's going to pay the price. And we don't care who gets hurt in the process. That's these guys. Let's go back to Reuben real quick and wrap this thing up. You remember Reuben? Don't kill him, guys. Throw him in the pit. I'm going to come back and get him. They didn't know that. He knew, but he, even his plan backfired. Verses 29 and 30 said he went back in there and looked in the pit. Where, where is the boy? He's gone. Even Reuben's plan backfired. And I'm sure that he probably thought, man, I didn't mean for... I didn't mean for all of this to happen. I, did, I never intended for this to go that far. I, ne, I never, and I guarantee you there were other guys in that group of 12 brothers that thought the same thing. Maybe Reuben and Issachar got off to the side and, and, and talked about this. How did we let this get out of hand? Maybe, maybe Simeon tried to intervene and go, you know what, maybe we can do something. Maybe Gad went off by himself over there and started crying his eyeballs out because he saw how bad his father's hurting. And the same is true for us. How many times you and I have said this? I didn't mean to hurt my daddy that bad. I didn't mean to hurt my father that bad. I didn't mean to hurt my kids that bad. I didn't mean to divide my family so deeply. I didn't mean to hurt my church so badly. I didn't mean to. But that is exactly what happens when we let bitterness take over because we're mad at God because He didn't fix our circumstances. And we get bitter, and that bitterness always, always, always leaks out and poisons other people. It always, it always, it always affects other people. 
So what do we do about that? When, as you and I sit in this room together, find bitterness in our hearts right now. Well, how do I deal with it? Oh, wait a minute, John, you, you can get bitter at people? How do we deal with it? Number one, you own it. You own it. You own it. If you've got bitterness in your heart right now, you know it. And you wish I hadn't preached this sermon today. And you know you've got it for whatever reason, for, for whatever circumstance has brought this bitterness into your heart. You know you've got it. You see it right now. You own it right now. You own it. Don't excuse it. Don't try to ignore it. Don't, don't try to make excuses for it. Just own it. David said, you remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had Uriah killed, that whole story. Psalm 51 is David's confession of his sin. Psalm 51.3 says this. Psalm 51.3 says this. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always in front of me. So right now, some of you are seated in this room and that bitterness is right in front of you. Own it. Secondly, confess it. Confess it. Bitterness is a sin that will lead to other sins. Look at these boys. Look at what they did. Bitterness led to them conspiring to kill their brother. They lied to their daddy. They, threw their, they sold their brother into slavery. I mean, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So confess it. Just bring it to the Lord today. We're going to have an invitation here in just a minute. Just bring it to the Lord. Confess it to the Lord. David said in Psalm 38, 18, he said, I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Own it, confess it, and then here's the one that y'all don't want me to say. <laughs> so if you want to get up and leave now, you might not want to hear this last point. Fix it. You remember when I prayed earlier, I wish we'd uh, just God make us a real church. We just need to get real and fix some of this stuff. Fix it. Swallow your pride. And fix the bitterness problem if you can. If you can. Now there is something that you can do and you must do. Here's Christ follower, I'm talking to you. You can do this and you must do what I'm about to tell you. To fix this, you have to do this. You must forgive that other person that you're bitter toward. You must do that. I have learned that over and over and over. I have to forgive them. I have to forgive them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 in, the, in the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he said this. He said, if, if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. So brother, sister, you have to forgive that person. The, this story of Joseph is going to end in an incredible way in a few weeks that the Lord will let us get to the end of it. So you have to forgive them. You must. And then the second part of that is that you go make it right if you can. If you can, you go make it right. Now some of you can't. Because the person you're bitter toward is gone. They're, they've passed away. They're not even here anymore. And they died with y'all being embittered toward one another. And that hurts you right now. 
You can't make that right. And so you live with that regret, and that's just, you'll have to continue to bring that to the Lord. But you go reconcile with that person if they will let you. Now, let me tell you something. Guess what? Some folks won't let you reconcile. So if they won't let you do your part, you do your part. You forgive, and you make an attempt, make attempts at reconciliation. If they just stiff arm you and say, no, not, then you've done your part. You've done what the Word of God says you're supposed to do. But you go fix it if you can. I told you I didn't want to hear that. Because <laughs> some of you know you probably need to make a phone call sometime this week. Maybe even today. Maybe even on Mother's Day. You might need to go make that call today. I'm sorry if that gets a little bit too close, but it's just the truth. But y'all, this bitterness thing, if we don't deal with it, if you don't deal with it, if I don't deal with it, you see what it'll do. You see what it will do. Oh, man, that won't happen. Every one of them thought, I cannot, how in the world did we get here? You don't deal with it. So dealing with, forget, uh, with, with bitterness has got to be the priority of every Christ follower. So this invitation today, obviously, is for those that maybe want to come to this altar and come pray about that, come talk to me. If you need to come talk to me and want me to pray with you about that, that's fine. If you're bitter toward me, Come talk to me. Let's get that thing right. There's some reason that you're embittered toward your pastor. Boy, you need to make that right. I mean, don't blindside me with it. Come talk to me about it. There's somebody else. Man, just go do your best to make it right. Maybe there's something else. It may be that this whole thing's like, man, the whole reason that you're bitter is because you've never given your life to Christ. you never come to Jesus. You've never been saved. So you don't have the tools to get that. Well, man, come to Jesus. Come to Christ and be saved today. Maybe you've done that, but you've never been baptized. Well, man, come on. Follow in believers' baptism. You give your life to Christ. Well, keep obeying. Come be baptized, man. That's what, that's, this whole thing is wrapped up in the Christian life. That the Lord who saves you gives you the ability to deal with all this stuff, including the bitterness that we find ourselves entwined and wrapped up in sometimes in our life. So... You know what you need to do during this invitation. You know what the Lord's saying for you to do right now. So let me pray for us, and then let's just be obedient to the Lord. God, help us right now during these moments of invitation to say yes to you, Lord, as you speak to our hearts. Whatever that means, Lord, you help us now. In Jesus' name I pray.